Hello, hello, everybody. Welcome to the Ask LFC podcast. My name is Harrison Gilming. I am the director of worship arts here at Lake Forest Huntersville. And hey, I'm Mike Moses, lead pastor of the Lake Forest family of churches, founding pastor and lead pastor of Lake Forest Church Huntersville. Good to see you all today. Harrison, it's good to see you this morning. It's good to be here. This is episode uh, 37 of the podcast. And as we're, uh, as we're, Moving ahead into this new year, we promised you guys recently we were going to talk about some direction that we wanted to go with the podcast this year. So, Mike, what are we thinking that uh, we may take some of this space to, to carve out as we look ahead to 2021? Yeah, after the first year, uh, nine months of doing the podcast, we're going to take a little more specific direction in here in the first quarter. And I think uh, one, uh, one podcast per month, we will uh, we'll answer. That'll be sort of question and answer. Questions we may have received at the office or at the uh, Ask LFC email address about sermons, about scripture, about things going on here at Lake Forest, uh, anything like that. So we'll do kind of Q&A once a month. Once a month, uh, and this is what today's episode is the first one of, will be Get to Know a Ministry Partner. We think this will, uh, every possible way to strengthen connective tissue within our body of Christ uh, is a good one. So we'll, we'll interview various ministry partners about their life and their faith and, uh, and just see what we might all learn from that. Today, we're going to interview a doctor and a scientist. We're going to, in our congregation, we're going to talk a little bit about pandemic, vaccine, faith and science through his lens of a ministry partner. Another uh, podcast per month, we will likely interview, uh, we will talk about God's mission in this world. Through the lens of uh, an interview or a focus on one of our mission partners, Missio Day partners, locally or globally, or a church planter, either one of our church planters in the family of churches, one around the country, or one of our partner churches that we're helping to found, and just learn lenses of fresh things that God is doing in this world. So I'm looking forward to uh, a bit more um, specificity of the weeks of the month. And we would really appreciate, especially as we're uh, beginning this series, as we look through uh, the Bible in a year, the whole story, uh, we know that there are going to be some questions even as related to uh, as you're doing your your scripture readings or as you're watching something in Bible Journey or as you're hearing something that uh, Pastor Mike is saying on a Sunday morning that you love a little bit more information or clarity about. Uh, that's what those weeks are for, and you can always reach out to us at Ask. LFC at lakeforest.org. And uh, we are keeping an eye out open for you. We're listening and we're going to devote some space just to getting down into the nitty gritty. Harrison, the questions I've already been getting because of where the sermon series has started. In the early chapters of Genesis, I, I played golf with a ministry partner uh, last weekend. And he's like, Mike, I, I wasn't really looking forward to getting into the early chapters of Genesis. I always kind of just hive those off as quasi fairy tales i'm I, I, like i almost don't want to look into them too far because i'm not sure what i'll think um and so that person and several others have said can can we talk about the nephilim and the sons of god intermarrying with the daughters of men and so we're going to deal with a few of those really uh unique if not some would say freakazoid mm. accounts early in genesis in our first Q&A of the year. Um, Harrison and I are not snacking today because I want you to know um, your church staff, 
uh, this was not my initiative. The staff initiated it. Has chosen today is a day of prayer and fasting. We're fasting from all solid foods, and we're praying for you. We're praying for the health and the growth in discipleship of the precious uh, congregation of Lake Forest Church. So I just wanted you to know that your staff is praying for you and your spiritual health in 2021 today. Stuff. So today is get to know a ministry partner. We're gonna f- trip into faith and science. Uh, we're going to start a little bit with the pandemic. So uh, let's call up Dr. Bill Hamill. Hey, Dr. Bill Hamill on the line. How are you today, Bill? Morning, Mike. Doing well. Thank you. Uh, well, good to talk to you. You're not. This is uh, sort of a, our first version of, of Get to Know a Ministry Partner podcast, and you and your family have been ministry partners here for some time, and, and you have now been an elder here, helping lead Lake Forest through a couple of cycles of being an active and inactive elder. Thank you for the ways that you serve the church here, Bill. My pleasure. I, I love being involved. Thank you. Yeah, and you guys host a community group in your house, but we're here to talk about the way that you follow Christ and serve His mission through your profession. Uh, what is your exact title and profession these days? Um, well, I'm trained as a pediatric cardiologist, so I spend uh, three or four days every week uh, taking care of heart kids, um, and that's my, my passion and my love. Um, my administrative time, I focus on social determinants of health, meaning the things that we know affect the health of everyone out there, like food and shelter and clothing and transportation. So I... Um, I fundamentally believe, uh, like the Bible says, that we're supposed to take care of the widows and the orphans and the poor. So I'm, I'm fortunate that part of my vocation time, I'm able to focus on um, a segment of our population and a segment of our community that sometimes has been marginalized and not, not really had the same access to care uh, and equity of care that, that maybe others have had. So I... Mm-hmm. I get to do that a day or two a week as well. I've appreciated watching your passion for that. Is it safe to say it is a legacy of the fact that the Novant Health System, within which you are a senior cardiologist, uh, there's a bit of legacy that it was Presbyterian and Christian-based, that it actually do, is devoting people like you to better health care outcomes equitably among our community? Um, you know, that's, that's interesting. I've never dug back to see if the roots, uh, um, uh, were that way, you know, it's sort of, at least at this time in life and, you know, the, the state of our, our communities and that sort of thing, it's more probably driven by our leadership. Um, so, uh, I think that that's, you know, that's a, a great place to start, meaning that our executive team, recognizes the importance of that. And I would say that, you know, Atrium's executive team does it as well. I've, I worked, you know, with the folks at Atrium on many of these same, same issues and, and objectives. So when uh, we looked at our community a few years back and, and basically did a One Charlotte initiative, uh, both healthcare symptoms systems recognized um, where we were lacking in those things. And I, I've been fortunate to 
to really help start up some clinics in some very underserved areas, both in the north end of town, out Freedom Drive, and and partner with people that some of you may have heard about, like Michael Jordan or Casey Crawford or Steve Smith. And so, so these are our folks in our community that um, have been very active in that space. Um, but really not done a lot with healthcare, and mm-hmm. so now we we've, mm-hmm. we've been able to take a healthcare system and partner with them to to really affect change, which has been neat to see. But that's outstanding, and and if we ever uh, grapple as citizens and and just Christians with uh, the need to ensure better outcomes for everyone in our community, the the differing statistical uh, statistical analysis of how the pandemic how illnesses and deaths have so uh, uh, outpaced in minority and uh, underprivileged communities, so far outpaced others, um, shows that, hey, I'm hoping that when you're hanging out with those guys, like doing your big healthcare initiatives, you you do say, hey, when I'm at church, man, I get to work with guys like Mike Moses and Harrison Gilman. Do you ever (laughs) drop my name? Actually, before I even mentioned it, they both asked, "Do I have that opportunity?" So I, didn't, yeah. I didn't even have to bring it up. But, uh, yeah, that happens. That know, happens to me all the time. It's normal. Exactly. But, <laughs> hey, you know, Mike, when you talk about the church, let me let me tell you that Hamill sort of dream of of where I see healthcare going because I really think that we can. So, so let's just say you come into the clinic and and we're seeing you and and I give you penicillin for your strep throat. And say, hey, Mike, look, it also looks like you've screened positive for food insecurity. Now, my social worker or my community health worker is going to come in right behind me. And we're going to see if we can figure out a way to get you tied into a food bank. And hmm. and not only will the referral go out, but but are we are we able as healthcare systems to partner with our community, to partner with the faith-based community mm-hmm. and say, hey, look, this problem is bigger than us this person is is a member of your congregation. Is there a way that you can help us walk alongside them so that we really can make sure they get these things? Because the only way we're going to move the needle on morbidity and mortality in our communities is if we really get this and, and, and we partner with the, the entities that really can make a difference. And it's not just partnering with, you know, the food bank or the, the, okay. the shelters or that sort of thing. It really is a call to us as as faith-based Christians to step up and say, you know what, this is what we're called to do, right? We're called to disciple, and discipling can look can look um, very different in very, very, you know, parts of our life. Yeah. And here's one where we really do need to. And our church does that beautifully with Huntington Green. If you, you've been over all the initiatives with us that we're doing, we do this with missions. We do this with lots of other areas. Well, hey, we do this with the homeless when we open up our church and and, and do that. I think that there's even more we can do, and I'm excited that the faith-based communities are interested in partnering. The COVID vaccine is a good example. We're going to try to vaccinate 8,000 people daily in mass vaccine sites. There's no way we can do this as a health system. So we're going to need volunteers. Okay. And it's going to come from the communities and it's going to come from places like Lake Forest. Will, uh, I love knowing that you are in the position you're in, Bill, as a, a lover of God and a lover of people advocating and not just advocating, making things like this happen. Will there be opportunities uh, for even the church to put out a call for those who are comfortable to volunteer at these mass vaccination sites once they get into gear? 
Yes, um, there will. There's, they're okay. uh, working right now. I, I know both healthcare systems and the health department are of, of sign up, you know, opportunities, electronic sort of databases, if you will, mm. for people can sign up. So we'll certainly, once we have that down and perfected, we'll let you know. Obviously, this is, this is not a sprint. This is going to be a marathon yeah. where we've opened it up to 75 and older and, and then just this week, 65 and older. So um, just for Novant, that's 250,000 people in the Novant footprint print in the state of North Carolina. So I'm one of that's, them. A, that's a big task. So mm-hmm. um, I'll, uh, I'll be yeah. there. Yeah, but you're not quite 65 yet. You got to wait a little bit. <laughs> I know it's going to be a little while. You got to wait for the next. You got to wait for the next. I'm going to stay here in the podcast room for a, a while longer. <laughs> okay, good. Bill, um, a question: as, as the pandemic blossomed, and and you have thank you for the ways that you have informed me and our elders, uh, Mitch and Susan, who, uh, and I have been the decision making team about Lake Forest in the pandemic. Thank you for how you've informed us, along with a couple of others. Um, you, uh, you're senior enough. I don't think you had to do this. So I'm going to take a guess. You volunteered and you led one of the early COVID testing sites for quite some time early in the pandemic. Why did you do that? And what was that like? Your proximity to infected people? Well, you know, I think it was, it was a need, right? Um, and so, so we, in the very early parts of this um, pandemic, we stood up clinics to do screening for people, um, and uh, they needed doctors and nurses and, and nurse practitioners and physicians assistants and front office people and all those things. And so um, I just felt like it was the right thing to do. So I didn't, I didn't lead it. I appreciate that. I didn't lead it, but I did volunteer on Tuesdays and Thursdays to to help out. So I, okay. I still saw patients. Um, but then, uh, two days a week, I was able to be in the screening center, um, caring for, for these, you know, oftentimes very ill folks that, that ended up getting in the hospital. So I, I know that, um, you know, there are differing views in our community regarding the pandemic and I respect people's rights to, to have their own views. I, I, would be happy at any point in time to sit down with anyone and give them my perspective of, of sort of walking through it and, and unfortunately watching people die because mm-hmm. they were late to seek care and, and those sorts of things. So it's, it, it was an eye opener and I, I'll be honest, it, it sort of rocked me a bit. I, I never, you know, I've, I've been in the military. I've, I've done crazy things in my life. I've, um, uh, you know, raised four boys, all that. Yeah. You were a football player at Wofford yeah. Co- uh, college. Yep. So this this one got me. This one was was one where I really kind of kind of had to check myself and and uh, um, and then just can sort I, of press on. So can I ask you a specific question about that? Um, sure. Regarding your engagement with the pandemic and your work as a pediatric cardiologist in general, what aspects? You, the number one way God's called most of us to be part of His His mission of love to heal the world through Christ. The number one way most of us join his mission is through our profession, our work. Um, and uh, guys like me are not, uh, I don't often enough help people gain that vision for their own work. Um, but in your work, and maybe specific the pandemic that you're referring to right now, um, how, how does your work typically challenge your faith in Christ? And in what ways does your work uh, grow or expand your faith in Christ? 
Um, wow, great question. Um, you know, I, I think that um, I'm trained, obviously, as a scientist, so um, in, in had a, a research component to my life, you know, in the early stages of, of training and education and those sorts of things. So I, I think that um, there, there's always, well, some people feel there's a disconnect between science and faith. And I, I think everyone that, you know, is in my vocation uh, probably wrestles with that at, at some level. Um, and a good example would be uh, when babies die, right? I, mm. I've, I've had mm. babies that I'm caring for that didn't do well, that didn't come out of surgery, that, you know, had an untoward event, that those sorts of things. And, and um, you know, I, I, I think I have this list of questions to ask God one day. And, and okay. You know that that's that sort of falls on that because I've I've never, you know I I, I continue to wrestle with that right mm-hmm. you know why why does that happen um, you know in the in the spectrum of eternity uh, the, the time on this earth really is a speck and so so but but boy it's so wonderful right and so why do some families to some kids to some you know not not have that opportunity mm-hmm. um, but but I'll tell you that that. You know, many, many, many of the things that I care for now, um, uh, we do have options and these kids do well. And and I tell families that, you know, I I am a man of faith. And my first prayer would be that your your baby is healed. And and I, I firmly do believe in the power of prayer. But but my second prayer is that God's going to put the people in your life that can help care for this. Hmm. And, you know, sometimes. Sometimes God doesn't answer prayers the way we want them to be, but I know He answers the prayer of, okay, we, we can surround you with people that can help care for this. So, so it's not the answer to prayer that we want, but it is an answer to prayer. So I, I, think, I think that, um, you know, a long time ago, the first time I read Mere Christianity by C.S. Lewis, it was really powerful because I think he— he was in the same place that a, a lot of scientists are in, where right. where there are doubts and there's questions. And so he methodically kind of went through this process, uh, sort of as an atheist, to then come away going, you know what, there is a God, um, and it, it makes sense. Um, and I, I think that there are people far more eloquent than me, but, but I think the challenge is when scientists feel like you know, it's only science and, and faith is just a myth. And, right. the, and the fundamentalists feel like it, it really, it happened one specific way. And, and I find myself very comfortable in the middle of both of those going, um, when I look at the data, when I look at uh, history and evolution and, and the Bible and look at the data within the Bible, I'm I'm very comfortable marrying my science background um, with my faith, and and I don't I don't have an issue with okay. um, the time of creation or or you know whether there really was evolution or what happened before the Big Bang. I I think that those things, you know, you, you faith ultimately is you've you've reviewed all the data, you've looked at it, and then you you make this decision that yes, I'm going to believe and. And that's kind of kind of where I am, and I'm very comfortable with that. And so it's nice because you can 
have a conversation with somebody that's very fundamental on one end and still still feel comfortable about how I personally got to where I am. But you could also have that same conversation with a, a scientist on the other end who thinks that it's all fairy tales and and still be very comfortable. So it's a it's a it's a good position for me to be in. It was hard to not hard to get there, but it was a process to get there because I wasn't raised in a Christian home, so it, it wasn't a part of my upbringing. This was a process that I sort of worked through as I was, you know, getting getting a little bit older. So I, I forgot that about your history, Bill. And thank you for anticipating my next question. There, <clears throat> so helpful to hear you talk about it, um, and. Uh, so were you wrestling through questions of faith and science because you had come to a faith experience and a trust in Jesus, and now you need to reconcile this as, as you were already in medical school or already practicing? Uh, or What was the timeline there? I, I, think, I think that I began to examine the faith part of things in high school. So, um, and, and I think that the, the process, if you would have asked me, you know, when, when I would say I became a Christian, it would be, it would have been in 10th grade, it would have been in high school, but I think there was a lot of, of growth in that, that came out of a youth group and a group of folks hanging out with and, you know, playing football on Sunday afternoons and a, a really dynamic leader and me going, yeah, I think, you know, this is, if this is that Jesus guy, this is, this sounds pretty good to me. Yeah. Um, and so the refining of that came kind of as I continued to grow and, and mature, I think. Um, and then the wrestling came, you know, when you're, when you're in biology or, or, you know, chemistry or whatever, and you're, you're really studying some of this stuff and you, you begin to wrestle with it more because in, in college, I, I think they're, they're, um, uh, you, you have to actively seek to, to continue to grow in your faith because right. the secular part of things really can sometimes be overwhelming. Absolutely. Well, um, Bill, I'd like to ask you a really targeted question that's on the minds of many people today and is and is going to impact how the rest of this year plays out. Um, early, when, when there was talk of the vaccine being developed so speedily, the fastest in history, and I've enjoyed reading a lot of the information behind that, that, that like the, that industry already had this methodology and they were, they were getting ready to simulate it with a fake pandemic and then the real one happened. So th this uh, methodology had been developed. Um, the vaccine's been rolled out, and at first surveys showed that uh, a pretty large percentage of Americans would not trust taking the vaccine in any early scenario. Subsequent surveys, and as they've people have begun to be vaccinated, those numbers have changed for the be more people. Um, could you just for a moment, how, why should people trust the vaccine? And how important is it? And you feel free to own this as a Christian physician. Why is it important or uh, that uh, a majority of us, should our conscience allow it, get vaccinated? Well, from the science part of it, I would say there is something called herd immunity, which means that that if you want anything looking back hundreds, if not thousands of years to go away, 
let's just take polio, for instance, in mm-hmm. the 60s. The, the, the only way polio went away is that we had enough people vaccinated for polio that it just stopped spreading within the population. And so, so we have essentially, not completely, and certainly not in, in underdeveloped countries, but we've had an ability to eradicate something like polio. Um, measles, mumps, rubella, tetanus, those other things that we know are common parts of the vaccines that our kids receive when they're younger. And we sometimes get boosters as we get older, mm-hmm. really fall into that same bucket as we figured out, you know, we, we can, we can allow your body to make antibodies to usually viruses that, that will keep you from getting um, sick with it. So same thing with the flu shots. There's just a bazillion different okay. you know, strains of flu. So we try to guess every year which strains we think are going to be the most prevalent and, and put that in the flu shot. So, so that's why you'll hear some people say, well, yeah, the flu shot didn't work this year or, or may have worked mm-hmm. or, or whatever. Well, it's, you know, some of that is a little bit of a guessing game. But, but I think that um, to your question about the, the science part of this, I, I really do. I did the same thing you did. I, I really looked very hard at the vaccines. I looked at the process that they used to develop them. I looked at, you know, my biggest concern was safety um, mm-hmm. and making sure that these were were safe vaccines. Um, and we don't we don't need to get into the detailed part of it. But this messenger RNA that that's this is a new type of vaccine, and and the the, the science has been out there for a while, as you said, Mike. This has been applied now to this this you know family of illnesses um and it really does appear to be very safe um and and thankfully it's it's efficacious and and at least for the initial viral strain you know as high as 95 percent um effective um i think that you know anyone that's a scientist would be naive if they said we're absolutely sure this is going to be perfect right and we're going to it's going to take more time um and more analysis and you know does this lifelong immunity is it a short-term immunity do you need to get a booster you know we've already heard and everyone's heard that this virus has already mutated and there's you know even different strains of it out now and viruses are very bright so so that's a long-winded way to say my analysis of it shows that it's very safe and it's efficacious. Um, I volunteered to get it early on to, to show the, the people that I work with that I felt comfortable with it. Um, and I, I think it's a good thing. Now, having said that, I respect families' decisions about vaccinations, and it's a it can be a very hot topic, um, mm-hmm. and so I, I would never, I would never want to force anyone to do it. Um, and there, that's not come out. That's not anything that's been, at least, addressed in our health system no, or I brought up in our that. health system. No. But I, 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 I do think that um, you know we do have to get enough people vaccinated or have the natural illness like probably you did and I did with chicken pox as a kid um, to to really see uh, um, see our country kind of begin to turn back to normal so so that's why it's going to take a while because we're a, we're a long way from having 70 percent or so of the population either have had the illness or or have had mm-hmm. the, the the vaccine um, I have one last question for you thank you that is very helpful um, one last question, and it's raised because of your heart here in Charlotte, which you described early on. Uh, uh, 
those who have the ability to change the healthcare outcomes for communities who do not have as much access historically to good healthcare. Uh, and you obviously, and our healthcare system, feel a responsibility to help uh, correct that situation. Um, I'm thinking of Jesus saying, to whom much is given, much is expected. Um, when I realize that our developing world, and I'll just say America, we're going to get there on the vaccinations. What, is, what do you think might be our responsibility to advocate to our federal government that we be generous because we are a, a country with incredible resources? What might it mean for us to be generous with countries who have less with vaccinations? Sure. Uh, yeah, I, I think it's going to be critical that um, we, we recognize that this is a global pandemic. This is not a U.S. pandemic or an Africa pandemic. It is a global pandemic. And so we, we just like we do in our communities now, are going to have to advocate for those who, who don't, you know, fight for those that can't fight for themselves, right? So, mm -hmm. so I think that um, that takes on a global mission. Um, and I think that you'll see us as churches, as, you know, other entities that um, that provide care to uh, underdeveloped or developing countries, this is going to be a big deal and how we respond to it and how we make sure that we're equitable in distribution so that it's not just an example of the haves and the have-nots. I think that w we have the potential to get this wrong and, and go down a path mm. where we widen the gap even further. Um, mm. Just like you've heard people widening the gap with homeschooling and, and online learning, um, I, I agree with that, that. It's really hard when you're limited with your resources, and so we, we have to be proactive about it and develop strategies that we really can make this a, a worldwide response. And, and I think you're going to see the church is going to play a role in that because it's what we're called to do. And, and I think it's, uh, you know, it, it's one of those where we're going to have to have some people stand up and say, pick me, I want to help and, mm. and figure out what, what does that look like? Um, because it's going to be a marathon. This is, this is going to be an issue for a bit as we, we continue to get people vaccinated. But I'll be honest, I haven't read anything about the vaccination strategy in Africa or right. South America or Mexico, you know, I, I and, and that troubles me, right? That worries me because I think that we're so focused right now on on the U.S. appropriately, but, but I don't right. want to lose sight of some of those other areas that we really do need to make sure we have a global plan. Well, Bill, be sure and let us, me, know if and when uh, we can offer mobilization of Lake Forest people who want to be a part of some of these um, initiatives as faithful volunteers are needed. Thank you for uh, dialing in with us today. My favorite snapshot of you is a young couple who came to you with their, their infant with cardiac, prob uh, cardiac problems. And, uh, and they said, going to Dr. Hamill was like going to a pastor shepherd doctor. It, it was, a, 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 we felt cared for in a whole way. He didn't know we were believers, but there were ways that he 
offered to match our own spirituality and offered himself. And so, Bill, I just I appreciate that. I appreciate the ways you participate in leadership here. Bill, you're on our church planting team of elders and uh, part of hiring our next church planner who we'll introduce to everyone next month. So um, that was- Yeah, that is exciting. And well, thank you for the kind words. But I will tell you, Mike, um, you know, Mitch and I have had some discussions about could Lake Forest be a be a site? You know, could we, mm-hmm. we, we have a large parking lot? We have a big, big, um, uh, sanctuary, you know, we've, we as elders, um, teaching elders and ruling elders, we've all said, Hey, we want this space used 24 seven. So, yes. so what, what if there's this opportunity? So we've actually had some of those discussions at high level. Great. And I, I think that's a possibility as, as we get past the large, um, mass uh, vaccination center in, in downtown Charlotte, we're going to be looking at satellites like Matthews or, or Monroe or Huntersville or Mooresville. Bill, we're and, all about that. And, if, if our space, our yeah, if our space yeah, could be our, safe space for that, we are all about it. We did it one day back in the uh, fall, uh, targeted to a specific neighborhood that we serve. And that was joyful to offer that. So please call on us. Sure, we'll do it, and I'm I'm excited that that uh, folks are standing up saying yes, pick me. This okay. is a great thing. So it's a, it's a it, it is a neat time um, to see people genuinely care, and I, I I do appreciate that about our church as well. And that's so many people, obviously not just our church, and and that uh, that is the strength of the church is on the ground people caring, and frankly, it's just the the strength of our country. And are the kind of things we can come around together, irrespective of faith. Bill, great to talk with you. Godspeed in your efforts, city and county wide, and regionally. Um, I appreciate you, and I hope to see you soon. That sounds great. Thanks, Mike. Thanks, Harrison. Appreciate it. And you know, every time somebody brings up y'all's name in one of my meetings, I just go, "Yep, I, I, I know that." Really nice. Uh, <laughs> Thanks, Bill. Appreciate exactly. it. Exactly. Exactly. See you guys. Thanks All right, have a good one. Uh, bye bye. Well, that does it for today, friends. Uh, get to know a ministry partner. Uh, we will see you next time. Have a good one. See you guys.